these days um, are kind of graduation days for a lot of us. A lot of you have friends, family members graduate from, uh, somebody this morning told me, just uh, finished, graduated from preschool. That's a big one. That's a big one. Headed to first grade. And um, we graduated our youngest uh, yesterday, Wilson, our youngest of five. And um, didn't take long for him to leave. He left this morning at 8.30 for five weeks. He'll be working at Pine Cove up at Lake Hartwell. And um, so we've said our goodbyes fast to him. Last week, Cheney graduated. And uh, you, I think you'll be excited to know that our family of five now has a Georgia Bulldog uh, in the house. Now listen, hey, come on now. Listen, and Jesus is coming back. Amen? Let's, let's make sure we clap for the, for the good news, all right? Jesus is coming back. I am excited, though, about Cheney's uh, graduation. Here's the best thing about um, uh, University of Georgia to me. It's right over there, and uh, I just, I'd, I'd love that, and I love that Cheney will be around for another year, and she works on her master's degree. Last, uh, s- last weekend, we were in S- Sanford Stadium, and for their graduation there at UGA, and all those thousands of students seated on the field, getting ready for the next step of life, the... Um, Chairman and president of Delta Airlines spoke, Ed Bastian. And as he spoke at commencement, I thought uh, he did a good job, but I thought he missed the perfect opportunity to connect with the crowd and draw the crowd in. When Ed Bastian s- stepped to the platform, there was the most ominous dark cloud moving in over that stadium. I mean, it looked like we were about to get hit by something massive and major. And as he stepped to the platform, you could see on the jumbo, jumbotron all the dignitaries behind him should be watching him. All of their eyes were cut just like this, just watching that, that, that cloud move in over the stadium. And I thought, you know, if, if uh, Mr. Bastion at just that moment when he walked to the platform as chairman of Delta Airlines, uh, if, if he had said, If that cloud does what it looks like it's going to do, I want everyone to know that your chairs can be used as a floating device. (laughs) I didn't know how that would hit this morning, but I thought, I bet this room has heard that talk so many times. You know exactly what he's talking about. Anytime you get on a plane of any brand, any kind, uh, someone's going to stand in front of you and they're going to give you the talk. They're going to go through everything that is expected from you, everything that you can expect from them. They're going to tell you where the exits are. They're going to tell you uh, uh, when the snacks will be coming your way. And uh, you're going to hear all the information that you need to hear. And you know if you've flown before that there's they do that why because there may be someone on that plane that has never flown before and so they need to know what they can expect and they need to know what the expectations are there's going to also be some people on that plane that haven't flown in a long time and it's they will have forgotten what they've 
heard and then there'll be others on the plane and you've flown with them. You may be that one who've heard it so many times that you're sitting there and you're just quoting it right before them and, and, you, and you know. And this morning what I want to do is I want to share some things with you that talk about the value of the local church. And I, and I want you to hear some about uh, expectations of being committed to a local church. And, and we do this because there would be some in the room that are brand new and you've never heard us talk about this before. And for you to be committed to a local church, I, I don't want you to uh, bring your, your, your scars or your wins or your victories from somewhere else. I want you to hear what this local expression of the kingdom of God is about. Others of you have heard this before. You've been through membership class. You, you, you did it maybe it was several years ago, and you're like, I've heard some of this, but I, I, I need to hear it again. Others of you could give this talk. You, you've heard it so many times. Uh, today, we're picking up in a series where we've been for the last couple of weeks. We call it our re-series. It's taken that prefix, R-E, that means to do again or to do over uh, to start again, to repeat that, that, that R-E, uh, we're putting it on the front of individual words. Two weeks ago, we put R-E on the front of the word mind. And we said so we need to remind ourselves. The enemy comes to kill, steal, and to destroy. We need to remind ourselves, God says, to not be weary and well-doing. For in due season, you will reap if you faint not. Remind yourself, reprogram yourself, rethink it, remind yourself that doing the right thing is worth it. You will reap a harvest if you don't give up, if you don't faint. Last week we took the word view and we put RE in front of it and said there's something we need to review together as a church. And we went back to a Sunday in May of 2019 and we did a review of a message from judges about Gideon and made a fresh call to our church family to pray to pray and I, and I, I came into the day last week specifically saying God give us 30 people for the 30 days of a month and we said Lord would you raise up 30 people that would take a day of the month and fast on that day just pick a day for the next six months. Now, by the end of last Sunday night, we had our 30. We had uh, someone for each day. But by the middle of the week, I'm encouraged and excited to share with you that more than 100 people have committed to take themselves one day a month and pray and fast for families and for our church family. And so every day, beginning in June, you wake up and you think about Watkinsville First Baptist and your church family know that multiple people are praying and fasting over the course of that month. And you come back, oh, what about day 31 when that pops up? And uh, Chris Fitzgerald in Asia is going to get day 31 for us every time that pops up. And so we're, we're, we're praying and we've made that fresh call today I want to give you another word and put re in front of it and it's the word member and I want you to remember some things I want you to remember what it means to be committed to a local body of believers based on Acts chapter 2 and so in a way don't miss the play on words 
I want to remember you today. I want to remember you today. And if you if you have this this isn't what you would call your church home, maybe first time visitor, or or you've been coming and 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 kind of just seeing is this the place? I, I'm I would say to you, hear what's said today, and you'll know what we're about. And perhaps God would lead you to make this the place that you commit to invest your life and to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Look at Acts chapter 2. And we get this first picture of the New Testament church. In Acts chapter 2, pick up in verse 41. They've just heard the apostle Peter preach a message about salvation and who Jesus is. In Acts chapter 2, you see their response. Acts chapter 2 Verse 41, so those who received his word were baptized. And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. I love how that passage of Scripture begins with people being added and ends with people being added. And in, in verse 41, they, they hear the message, they believe the message, they receive the message. Upon believing the message of Jesus Christ and receiving the message of Jesus Christ, what did they do? They publicly professed their faith in Jesus Christ to the watching crowd by what? By being baptized. And so their baptism says to the watching community around them, I have believed, I have received, I've I'm identifying with Jesus Christ. But don't miss this. When they received the message and were baptized, the description that God's word gives, they were added to their number that day. And then at the end of chapter 2, again, it says, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. And I highlight that to say to you that right here in the beginning of people being saved and the Spirit of God being poured out, that the church is being birthed here. Salvation was not an individual person believing, being baptized, and then going on their merry, isolated, individualistic way. When the people believed and received Jesus Christ, they were baptized and they were added to a number. They became a part of a body. They became a part of the fellowship. And you say, okay, they were added, then what? Well, he tells us. They, they, they were added, believers were added, and, and here's what they did. They devoted themselves. They committed. They were in. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship. and to the, So they devoted themselves to the word, but it went beyond that. It was not just the teaching of the word. They weren't just listening to sermons. Don't miss that. They weren't just listening to sermons. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship. 
They devoted themselves to the fellowship. That means as believers that you and I, we, we, we're saved by grace through faith. Our sins are forgiven. We have the hope of heaven. We're baptized. We tell the world we're a follower of Jesus Christ. But what comes with that is a devotion to other believers. It, it comes, what comes with that is this draw. This is spiritually, it's like a spiritual magnet. It's this, this spiritual draw to other believers. They devoted themselves to the fellowship. And what did that look like? The breaking of bread, that was a picture of communion, the Lord's Supper. They devoted themselves to prayer. Uh, it talks about how uh, th that signs were performed, wonders, miracles took place as they prayed. Uh, they, they had things in common. They took their possessions and they met needs. And if they didn't have uh, enough, they'd sell things in order to keep meeting needs. And this just a real simple biography of what the church looked like. Uh, day by day, they attended the temple together, breaking bread in their homes. It's an interesting phrase. 3,000 were just added to their number. There's no home there where they would have been where 3,000 could have come over for dinner. So it's a picture that those believers, as many, even though there were thousands of them, somehow in some kind of group way, they would get together in their homes and break bread and eat together. They praised God, they found favor, and the Lord just kept doing what he did in the beginning. He just kept saving people. And you see this picture of the local church. People believed, people were baptized, people broke bread together, they fellowshiped together, miracles were done, they prayed, they met needs, people were saved, and it's just that fellowship over and over and over again. Now, I don't know of anything that I love talking more about than the local church. I love the local church. I love the bride of Christ. Now listen, some of you have scars from local church life. And that's, that's sad, that's hard. My hope and prayer so many times is, Lord, let this be a place where people's scars from any, any kind of local church hurt would be healed. Listen, coming here, we're not a perfect church. We're not a perfect church. There's no perfect church. We're sinners saved by grace, and we're going we're gonna to miss things. We're going to do things wrong. God, God will help us. It's just a part of family. It's a part of relationship. It's a part of working together and letting the fruit of the Spirit be effective in our life as we practice the one another's with, with one another. Somebody today, you may be sitting in this room and, and, and you've been hurt by this fellowship. We're not a perfect body. We want to get it right. We, and, and that's we're, we're looking at these messages this month of May to say, Lord, make us a healthy church so that we can see a harvest of souls. Here, in, as, as you work through these verses and you see the story in the book of Acts of the local church. It reminds me that we have this local expression today, just like in the book of Acts, local expressions of the church started popping up in a lot of different places. There have been some guiding phrases that have traveled with us as a church. Listen, some of you have been here before I ever got here, before any of us called Sibley's ever arrived here. We got here in the fall of 2000, 
and, and I, I'm curious, how many of you in the room right now, just lift your hand up high, you were here in the fall of 2000 uh, when new pastor Carlos showed up. Wave, 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 lift your hand up, all right? Okay, so why don't y'all stand up, all right? Just go ahead and stand up. You were here. All right. Just this number that you see right now, that's about how many were here at nine also. And here's why I'm, I want you to see these, these and these are, these are warriors. Uh, y'all be seated. A phrase that became very special to us and we embraced was the phrase, company's coming. I don't, it doesn't end with a G, all right? I'm talking company, all right? Company's coming. And we said this phrase that somehow it stuck with us. And there's about 150 of us, and we looked around. We saw our community. We believed that God wasn't finished here at Watkinsville. We said, it's like, it feels like company's coming. And you saw about a dozen or so uh, that stood and a few more of those that stood at, at 9 o'clock. What I, I want you to look around the room when you see those few stand. Here's what happened. Company came. Company came. And, and what do you do when company's coming? You pick up the dirty socks, you, you trim the bushes, you wash the windows, you put something in the oven and bake it, and, and you station somebody by the door and say, tell me when you see them, pull in. They're here, mama, they're here. Quick, 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 slide that under the couch. I mean, you just, you, you do, um, I don't know what, I, I don't know where that came from, all right? <laughs> Carla has never told me. To slide it under the couch. In fact, she's told me, don't put that under there. <laughs> Listen, at church, we just started operating like that. Was companies coming. We put greeters at the door to see people coming. We reupholstered things. We repainted things. We put a steeple on the chapel, and this building wasn't here. The uh, student center wasn't here. The children's building wasn't here. It's was just that chapel and the surrounding buildings. And, and here's what happened. Company came. To God be the glory. Now here's another phrase that, that's traveled with us, and it's the phrase, it's all about life. Because we would go around, we'd, we'd travel, or you'd go somewhere, you'd go to work, and somebody would say, tell me about your church. Tell me about your church. And, and we wouldn't know what to say, would we? Well, it's just different. What do you mean different? Well, it's just unique. What is that? It's just special. Well, what is that? We just, how do you talk... Is, is it contemporary? I don't know. Is it traditional? I'm not sure. We just, just go back and forth. And, and here's what we began to realize and actually we're praying for. Lord, we don't want to be traditional and we don't want to be contemporary. But when people experience Watkinsville First Baptist, we want them to go away saying that place is what? Alive. That place is alive. And and. That became the story, and that phrase, it's all about life, just stuck with us. And so what are you, why are you all doing that? It's all about life. we got some decisions to make. It's all about life. Tell me about your church. It's all about life. Why is that? Because when God created us, he did what? He breathed life into us. And what did sin do? Sin kills. Sin separates. And the... Bible says that Jesus came that we might have what? Life and life abundant. The Bible says that he who has the Son has life. Life. 
And Ephesians tells us the glorious news that we were dead in our sins and trespasses, but God made us what? Alive. Say it with me. God made us alive. God made us, are you? Alive. We live in a world that is physically dying and spiritually dead. And you and I have the answer for physically dying and spiritual death, and it is eternal life. And that's the message that you and I, as a local body of believers, get to give out over and over. It's really our vision word. So what's your vision? Life. Why is that? What's the problem? Death. Well, what's the answer for death? Life. How do I find life? Jesus Christ died for you on a cross so that you don't have to. I'm about to, y'all, come on. Y'all got to help me <laughs> preach up here this morning. Listen, my kids are here. I'm trying to do good for them, all right? Y'all help me. Listen, it's all about life. It's all about life. Here's the third word, wholehearted. And over 15 years ago, we were working our way through the book of Numbers and we saw where Caleb in the book of Numbers was blessed by God because he followed the Lord with his whole heart. And we grabbed a hold of that word and we said, we don't want to we don't want to be half-hearted. We don't want to be casual. We don't want to go at this like it's just religion. We don't want to just check the box and do it by habit and ritual. We want to be wholehearted. That's what God blesses. And so when we come in here, when we sing the prayers, we'd sing with our whole heart. When we give, we'd give with our whole heart. When we would interact with people in fellowship, we would do it with our whole heart. Wholehearted. He's worthy. He's worthy of our wholehearted devotion. And that affects our mission and our purpose. And I want to you to think with me for, about, for a few minutes about this. Think about our purpose as a church. Remember, we're remembering right now. I want you to know our purpose. Our purpose as a church is to glorify God. How do we glorify God? We glorify God by showing his attributes and his character to the world. And we meet together as a church. And our fellowship as a group of believers ought to reflect who God is. And if a person walks here for the first time and they've never been in church before, they would learn about who God is because they see how we operate and live as believers. And then when we'd go out of this building, dispersed from the gathering, we would go into this world advertising who God is by the way we live. We glorify God in that way. People see God by the way his children live. And how do we fulfill that purpose? We believe the best way to fulfill that purpose is by fulfilling the mission to glorify God by making wholehearted followers of Christ. So, rocking babies, pushing the red buggy, pushing the green swings, a D group in a student building, a worship song in this building, an outdoor service, Sitting down with friends, the way we spend our money, the things we do as a church all go into through this filter of is it helping us make wholehearted followers of Christ? Why? So we can bring the most glory to God. Well, there's some values we have. There's some values, some core values that we have to fulfill this mission 
and this purpose. And those core values, what's a value? A value for us is if the, if the ship is sinking, this is going with us. If the world's going down, if the world is drowning, if the culture is going away that we used to see, what, what, these are the values that we're clinging to. And, and, and this is a part of our mission, and the first one is God's word. We value God's word. This week after week, we say, let's open our Bibles. God's word. We believe that the Bible is God's word, that it's inspired by the spirit of God, that it's inerrant, and that it transforms lives. Listen, I can't tell any kind of story. We can't sing a song that's going to change your heart. The only way a heart changes and a life changes for eternity is for the spirit of God working through the word of God to transform lives and so we're clinging to the word as a value that's where the life change comes from the spirit of God working through the word of God and then second value relationships if you come here what you're going to see that we think is valuable you'll find relationships to be valuable we value genuine relationships authentic relationships being real with one another not faking it. Not, you know what? We, we've gone through two or three years arguing over mask, physical mask. You know that for years, too many times people do religion in church and they wear another kind of mask. And they put on the everything's fine or everything's bad and, and neither one of those is true. Genuine relationships. It's where life is transformed. That's why we do disciple group, discipleship groups. It's people get in relationships and they're able to do life on life. Generations, that's the third value. We value all generations. We value people with gray hair. We value people with no hair. We value people with new hair. I mean, we, 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 it's every age. And I, I love in this room, just looking around this room, children, teenagers, college students, single adults, married adults, people who are walking through different seasons of life, they're widowers and widows, some that are experiencing loss in a lot of different ways, a lot of different stories, a lot of different educational levels, a lot of different backgrounds from all over, all over the world, generations value that but I want to be quick to say that even as we value ge multiple generations we value generations with a passion for reaching the next generation okay and it's critical for you to hear that there are a lot of things that you may at your age or your season of life say I don't, I don't really know what I think about that I, I don't know it really bothers me why are we doing that what about me what about my age listen I'm 50 I got it wrong this morning the first hour I, I'm pretty sure I'm 55 all right I'm 55 be 56 in June here's why we value the next generation because at 50 at 55 I've had a lot of opportunities to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and I've had a lot of opportunities to sing a lot of songs 
And I'm kind of in a place right now where we've got to pass the baton. One generation, Psalm 145, must commend his works to the next generation. And we've got to make sure that even as we value all generations, that we've got our eye on the next generation. Because if we don't keep our eye on the next generation, there won't be a next generation of Jesus lovers walking around on this property. And so when you look at resources and dollars and facilities and staffing, and you say, why is so much going right there? And why is so much right over there? And why is so much? I bet you can trace the dollars and resources and facilities to something that takes it to younger and younger and younger and younger. And that's, on, that's intentional. So that we make sure that the next generation knows Jesus. They're not getting it anywhere else. Now listen, here's the fourth, and that's mission. And when we gather together as a, as a body of believers, we disperse as the church. We're, 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 we go into this world and we're on mission. It may be overseas. It may be across the street. It may be in your workplace in Atlanta. It may be in the classroom on the campus at UGA. We're on mission. And we, we gather here to encourage and be equipped so that the saints can go out and do the work of ministry. We're on mission. Now, there's a strategy to what we're doing here and fulfilling this mission of reaching wholehearted followers of Christ. And that strategy is this. We gather and encourage and equip and send so that we can reach. And it's just that over and over and over again. What we're doing right now is gathering. I hope you're encouraged this morning when you leave. I hope that you've learned something to equip you to do ministry. And you're sent out in order to reach people. And that happens over and over and over again. We gather we encourage, we equip, we send, we reach. We gather, we encourage, we equip, we send, we reach. Now let me move now to just what I want to call baseline expectations of church membership. We're remembering ourselves here today. And here's the, the baseline. If you say, what, what do you expect as a church member? What, what is, just, is it being here? Is it, what, where's, what's the list? Four things I want to tell you this is baseline you can do a lot more but we believe these four things are going to bring about spiritual growth and it's going to allow our church to be healthy as we all commit to at least these four things in the first is large group you're doing it right now if I walked up to you and I said this week and we're, we're in, the, in the grocery store parking lot and said hey that's so good to see you I know you're at Watkinsville tell me which 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 service do you come to I'm at the 10.30. You've just said you're, that's, your, that's your large group. But it goes beyond, it's that, but it goes beyond just a worship service time. It also means that when you're standing in that parking lot and you attend the 10.30 worship service, you also see that you're a part of a large group that's called Watkinsville First Baptist. And you bear the name of Jesus first, but you also bear the name of this church. And as you live in this community and do life with others, your witness for Christ is going to reflect on this body. And so as a, being committed to the large group means that you're, you gather corporately and you identify with the body of Christ. Secondly, small group. There's an expectation that you would be committed to a small group. You say, well, what's a small group? A small group is anything smaller than a large group. It, it may be 80 people in a Sunday morning class, 
It may be 20 people out in the shed on Sunday morning. It, it may be three people. It may be three people at Chick-fil-A around a biscuit doing a group study during the week. It may be a D group in teenagers. It, it, a small group. You're committed. And, and here's the, what a small group does. It gives you a place to be known. A small group is a small group when you know others' names and they know your name and they know when you're missing and you know what you're celebrating and you know what you're grieving. And in that small group, life on life, iron sharpens iron and transformation takes place. Large group, small group, third expectation, an area of service. When you were saved, the Spirit of God gave you spiritual gifts with a purpose. He gave you spiritual gifts for the edifying of the body, for the building up of the body. And when he saved you, you didn't choose those gifts. He gave them to you. You didn't decide if you even wanted them. When the Spirit of God came to live inside of you, he gave you spiritual gifts with a purpose. And when he saved you, he gave you the spiritual gifts to help with the building up of the body of Christ. And listen, when somebody among the body is not using the gifts that God has given them as a part of that body, something's going to be missing. We're going to be short on all that God wants to accomplish. And so in, in, an area of service is where you're going to grow. It's where you're going to build up the body. You say, I don't know my spiritual gifts. Well, that's what's so beautiful about service. You just serve, and God begins to show you what brings joy to your life. And in whatever area you're serving, you get to use that spiritual gift. So where do you serve? You know that I can't do it all, and you can't do it all, and your pew can't do it all. You look around this property today, we have security, we have parking attendants, we have greeters, we have ushers, we have people who are rocking babies, we got people who are teaching classes, leading small groups, singing songs, playing instruments, running the computer, operating sound, made sure the doors were open, the lights were open, and the mulch was spread, and the parking lot was ready. And it's just during the week, there's all kinds of things. All of that, it takes all of us. We're not to be fans of the church. We're to be servants in the church. And you know that story of, of, the, of the football game where you got, you got 22 exhausted players on the field and 100,000 fans in the stand. What we need is 100,000 100, servants on the field doing the work of ministry. It takes us all. And here's the last one, giving. Giving. Expectation of being committed to a local body of believers is a large group, a small group, an area of service and giving. Giving does something to our heart. It creates a sense of ownership. It creates a sense of, of it, it creates passion. In Matthew 6, it says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And in our giving, it, 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 when, I, when I give, it does something in my heart about the local church and to be a member of this church means that you commit to give to meet the needs of the church to fund the ministry of the church and money's not everything but it's a thing it's it's it transforms 
but it also makes it possible for us to do a lot of things. And it, and it, and it costs, and there's no, listen, there's no four or five people that are walking around just writing big checks to make this place operate. It takes every single one of us. There's not any, there's not any old money at Watkinsville, all right? It's not like this, there, we don't have any trust funds that are, we don't have any endowments here. We, we just, we're just a given. And that makes life happen here and allows us to do ministry. We give primarily, when we give gifts, um, it goes into one general ministry fund. And we take a lot of time, about six months out of every year, to pray over and plan over and vote on the way that money is used the next year. All running through that filter of making wholehearted followers of Jesus Christ. And um, I just, let me, let me say something to you real practical about giving, all right? Just stay with me. Look this way for just a moment. I want you to see how to give. I'm going to say that because a lot of, a lot of people are, are new and they're asking, I don't, y'all don't talk about giving. You, what, what are you, how, how do we do that? There are four ways, all right? We can give online at watkinsville.org slash give. And a lot of you give in that way. It's online giving, watkinsville.org slash give. Uh, you can give in person. When you leave today, you'll see white boxes that are sitting on the tables out there. And you can drop offerings in there. And, and that is moved through counters and to the financial office and handled from there. You can mail gifts to the church. The address is there, P.O. Box 228. And there's a fourth way I want to tell you about, and it's called bill pay. All right? Did that make the screen? I don't think I see it up there. But let me tell you about bill pay. And this is so, stay with me for just a moment, all right? It's got to be said somewhere. Online giving is a, it's a way we do life now. Just, uh, in a, and it's, it's a part of what we do in so many ways. But listen, when we do practice online giving, when you click in that system of online giving, the church absorbs a fee. We pay a fee for online giving based on every dollar that's given. And here's the truth, all right? We could fund a full-time staff person for what we pay every year in service charges for online giving. All right? And, and it is in many ways a cost of doing business. And it's convenient and it's a, it's a, it's a help to us. But here's another way you can give kind of like online and it's bill pay. And the way I do it, two times a month, I go to my computer or my phone and I go to my bank, computer banking, and down at the bottom of that page, it says payments, and I hit payments, and it pops up Watkinsville First Baptist, and I click Watkinsville First Baptist, and then I put in the amount they were giving, and I do that twice a month, I hit send, the bank gets that, they handle the check, they mail it to the check, it's handled, it doesn't cost any kind of additional fees for us to do that all right now listen if you're giving online don't let me scare you away all right it'd be better to give online and than not give y'all right okay listen but if you're saying hey i can do this 
That's enough for a whole salad. That's a whole staff. There's a way to do that, okay? But giving, it, it's a, even, even in the first picture here, you see how the church was giving to meet needs. And, and what we do around here, it takes all of us to make that, to make ministry go. Now, I want to I wrap our time up this morning by just really kind of giving you four sentences. And these four sentences are the reasons to value membership. Number one, we value membership at a local church because of what it says to you. You. When you value local church membership, it says something to you. It says to you, the church is a priority. I'm in. It's a part of my life. I'm a part of the bride of Christ. He's coming back for the church. It's a priority. When I'm weighing out decisions on how to use my time and my resources, if I'm committed to a local church, it communicates something to me, to you, to you. Here's number two. A reason to value local church membership. What it says to you, number two, what it says to me. And I'm talking local scene right here. When you're committed to Watkinsville First Baptist Church, it says something to me. It's hard for me to shepherd a flock if I don't know who the sheep are. It's hard for, um, it's hard to know who needs ministry when you don't know who's, who's in and who's not. And I think about the Apostle Paul who said to the church at Philippi, he, he said to them, he said, you are my joy and crown. Think about that. The Apostle Paul says to the church at Philippi, you're my joy and crown. Can I borrow from the Apostle Paul and say to you today, Watkinsville, you are my joy and crown. You are. I got one reason. I got one reason to be in Watkinsville, Georgia. Just one. My mama's here today, and she lives six hours away. And she said, it better be a good one. <laughs> and here's the good one. You, you, and when you're all in here, it says something to me that we're in this together. And here's the third thing, what it says to you, what it says to me, and what it says to others. When others see you committed to a local church, it can be transformative in their life. Charlie and Misty Eubank were in Cleveland, Tennessee, and for years, they watched their neighbors pull out every Sunday morning at the same time. And they just watch it and watch it and watch it. And one day, they had a conversation. And they said, what are you doing every Sunday morning at the same time? Where are you going? And they said, Macedonia Baptist Church. They said, we want to go too. And they become faithful members of Macedonia Baptist Church just from watching the commitment of another family pulling out of their driveway Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. Here's the last thing. Local church membership is valuable because of what it says to the Father. The Father in heaven sent his only begotten Son to this world to die as a ransom for many. And he was buried and he rose again and he ascended to heaven and the book of Revelation tells us that his son, Jesus, is coming back one day for the church like a bride 
prepared for her wedding day. And when you love the local church and you're committed to the local church, what you're doing is you're saying to the Father, I value what you valued enough to send your son to die for. This week, I got a letter and I'm done. I want to share this with you. And it came from... Let me just read the letter. It came this week. Pastor Carlos, I came to Watkinsville as a freshman, knowing what a difference this church made in my older sister's life, and praying I would find the same. He has provided abundantly more than I ever could have hoped. I write this from an overflowing heart of gratitude as I graduate and prepare to move overseas. My life is fundamentally transformed because of this church. I'm honored and humbled to be sent from Watkinsville. My life is the harvest of what you've sown. And that girl will spend two years in Asia the next season of her life. Listen, it's local church. Gathering, equipping, encouraging Sending, reaching, to gather, to equip, to encourage, to send, to reach, to gather, to equip, to encourage, to send, to reach, to gather, to equip, to send, to reach, until Jesus comes back for his bride. Hallelujah. I love the local church. Don't give up on her. Be all in. Let's pray together. Father. Would you help us today to love the things you love and especially to love what you sent your son to die for? Would you help us in our imperfection to be healthier, to give a greater picture to this watching world of who you are? Would you do something unexplainable in human terms among us and through us for your glory in your name. Let there be miracles. Let there be signs. Let there be wonders. Let there be provision. Let there be on this earth, through this place, your kingdom come as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen.